Rugby World Cup podcast. We're expecting quite a bit from Ireland and the All Blacks, and it delivered and it delivered and it kept on delivering right through till an incredible finale of 37 phases that the All Blacks held out and then came up with a, a valuable or crucial steal by Sam Whitelock right at the death. I'm Tony Harper, editor of theraw.com.au. Christy Doran, our rugby editor, you were there at Stade de France. How does that rate in terms of matches that you've you've witnessed in your time? Tony Harper, great to join you. And I'm still here at the Stade de France. I'm one of the few people, there's a couple of people mowing some lawns out there, a few people fixing up the pitch with their divot repairers. That's hands down the best match I've ever seen. That was from go to woe. 13 nil. they raced out to a head start New Zealand, but Ireland just kept on fighting. They wouldn't bow down, and we saw that right into the end. 37 phases, Sam Whitelock, that man again, the 35-year-old, 151st test. He's a legend of New Zealand rugby. I think the best player in, of the last decade across the international landscape. He's done it time and time again for not just New Zealand, but the Crusaders. What a moment. And 78,000. 845 fans. I reckon 70 of those thousand were supporting Ireland. Zombies wasn't playing out tonight. It was a very sombre finish for them. They're rather flat, especially compared to this time last week. But what a game. Yeah, the zombies were there, weren't they? It was the Irish players as they walked off at the end, uh, realising that after 17 wins straight, going for an 18th, going to try and win their first quarter final in eight attempts, uh, interestingly, before the game, they uh, formed a figure eight to match the Haka. This was a, a tribute for a former player who's at the anniversary of his death uh, from 2016, I believe, is coming up soon. Yeah, uh, Anthony Foley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, correct. And in the end, it possibly stands for eight eight defeats in a row, doesn't it? It's just an in, insane record that they can you know, go this far down, be so highly rated, and, and at the end, I mean, is this inevitably people are going to be talking about a choke here and there's so many moments to dig into, but is that a fair assessment or we just got to applaud what the All Blacks have done tonight? Well, you compare it to this time four years ago, October 19, and New Zealand won 46 to 14. They embarrassed Ireland there in Japan. Four years later, all you can do is tip your hat to Ireland. What a phenomenal match. They played their part and, and clearly there's, they're going to be devastated. It's certainly, you know, when you think about legacies and David Nusifora's legacy, that's a big kind of cross now, the fact that they haven't been able to snap that voodoo. And people will ask questions, but at the end of the day is the four best sides were one on one side of the draw. Someone had to bow out. It would have been either in Foster's New Zealanders with some legends of the game or Ireland's. And tonight it's the men in green. And how they recover, it's going to take a long, long time to get over this defeat. And uh, Peter Romani, I was just speaking to him in the mix zone, and Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton, they are all optimistic that this can be the start of something, not necessarily the end, despite Sexton, Keith Earls, a number of greats of Irish rugby hanging up the boots. There were so many moments, weren't there? And it started, uh, I mean, even after the hacker and... The, the lead up to it, uh, the Irish fans singing throughout the huck to try and, uh, I guess, uh, mute some of the effect that that might have on their players. But then into the game and the All Blacks have started off with about 30 phases of attack 
really putting the pressure right there on Ireland. A bit like in the game against Scotland where Ireland soaked it up early, you know, took on the pressure, absorbed it, and then just came and rolled right over the top of them. Uh, and in this game as well, Ireland, you know, they conceded the first try. They went down 13 points, but then they just kept coming. They looked like they um, had a different level of maturity and that they could, you know, really put that pressure back on New Zealand. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the moments kind of added up, didn't they? They just kept coming and coming. We had some exceptional uh, individual performances all around. I'm sure you'll get, get into those. I mean, Sam Kane, the shit Richie McCaw, he would have made the actual Richie McCaw he was watching. I'm pretty proud tonight. Yeah, well, so much for a poor man's Richie, right? And that's the words that Peter O'Mahony apparently said were picked up in the ref mic about a year, uh, 14, 15 months ago in New Zealand. Interestingly, uh, Ian Foster and Sam Kane were asked about those remarks uh, in the press conference tonight. Uh, Sam Kane, without trying to twist the knife too much, said that, yes, that's what Ireland do. They try to get under your skin. I followed it up by asking Peter O'Mahony, uh, and, and telling him that that it just transpired in the in the press conference, Peter Amani didn't take too uh, well to the question. He said it's a bullshit <laughs> question, and and, right. and it's fair to say he didn't extend expand upon that at all. But you're right; there were some brilliant individual performances, and, and a couple of moments really stood out to me. Richie Moana plays in motion. First day is from a line out where he goes straight through the middle. Pinpoint pass to mm. Will Jordan to set up the try. That was just a stunning piece of individual brilliance from a, a playmaker who's four years further down the track uh, with with that combination with Bowden Barrett not necessarily working in, in 2019. Mm. A, a second moment I thought was really pivotal. Geordie Barrett, when he gets underneath uh, Ronan Kelleher, the, the hooker, the replacement hooker, that saves it another try and it would have put Ireland in front with Cody Taylor only going. Uh, a few minutes earlier to send Bin for deliberately collapsing the moor. Uh, that got them back in at 25-24. Uh, clearly the Sam Whitelock moment, but Artie Severo, isn't he just an unbelievable player? And we saw it on both sides of the ball. He scored a try, he got over the top of it, uh, some huge hits. But I think as well, this is the sort of moment that cements Sam Kane and why he's the captain, because the leadership of the group, the boys of the group, and, and uh, the ghosts of Richie McCaw are now very much past this side now off the back of Sam Kane's performance tonight. Look, you're right. Geordie Barrett as well, that moment where he did hold that up, although that was uh, huge. There was Caelan Doris as well just completely spilling. You know, how, how someone of that ability can just spill cold and drop out like that under no pressure at all. I mean, it, you know, I say no pressure at all. Obviously, the, the mental pressure is immense and, and the moment you know, being in that moment as well. But for a player of that quality to come up with an error like that is just another of those moments that stand out. Mac Hansen going off injured, you know, at a time when they really could have done with his presence out there. His, his replacement went pretty well. But, you know, he, he looked off his best all night with his calf heavily strapped. Uh, you know, but, but you're right about Artie. The the try, he was there to finish that off. Great pass from Rico Ioni. But just his work, you know, just his work in defence too and how he, he – uh, like there were several times where he just produced penalty turnovers, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think you were a bit harsh there on Mac Hansen. I thought he was exceptional and it would have been about 50, 50 or so minutes uh, that, he, that he got through. He was uh, ever a 
threat out wide, particularly in the first half when Ireland needed something. They were struggling to get over the game line. A couple of times he did it. And in and away, of course, his, uh, his moment down the right-hand touchline and then stepping back on the inside allowed for, uh, and saw Aaron Smith uh, get a touch on the board, deliberate knockdown, a yellow card, Ireland score moments later. So I thought Hanson was excellent. James Lowe was very good. Uh, Hanson's replacement after he went off with that leg injury uh, also put in a, a solid cameo. But Hanson's live wire ability to, to make things happen, I thought that was missed in the last 20 minutes when particularly Ireland were chasing the game. Uh, you had also... Obviously, you talked about Richie Mwanga there and that uh, decisive moment where he burst through and, and put Will Jordan in for the, his obligatory try. They should just give Will Jordan a try at the start of the game and start at 5-0 and just he can you know, he can just put the cue in the rack for the rest. He's just so so inevitable, isn't he? But then on the other side, you had uh, Johnny Sexton playing in his last match for Ireland and missing a really simple kick there, right? Like that was at a moment where... Again, another of those situations where you just don't expect it. He he had some words with uh, Rico at the end of the game. He looks just distraught too. You know, has he gone on a little bit too long or, or, you know, was he still the right choice to be out there leading that team around? One of the best players of the last 10, 15 years, once in a generation player for Ireland. Uh, yeah, he missed one penalty. So did Jordy Barrett. And, uh, and, and, the, and the strike wasn't the worst. It was just just to the left of the, the left uprights. Uh, only missed by probably less than half a metre. Uh, he, he was he was strong on night. Ireland's attack at times perhaps looked a bit predictable, maybe a bit one out. But that's what they do. They, they generally are so good at controlling possession, recycling, and, and they just missed a bit of their timing in the first half where uh, their, their, their board trackers were just fractionally late and probably the, the first man was impacted by the New Zealand player perhaps uh, just um, falling on a, a, a not necessarily doing enough to give away a penalty but just delaying the progress of the, the Irish clean out Sexton he finishes up as an Irish champion a British and Irish Lions star he obviously has orchestrated so much over the last couple of years with the Irish run to the world number one he he will never get over this moment and and you could see how flat he was also how respectful the Irish journalists were when they spoke to him, congratulated him on his phenomenal career and asked questions around how that was sticking his memory. Bunny Yucky, he, he was colossal. He was a man. So he scored the, the crucial try for Ireland to get back into the game and get some confidence, stepping back on the inside. And it, it almost looked like these New Zealand uh, players like the Arkies and the Jamson Gipsy Parks, the James Lowe's would actually come back to haunt their the nation, as it turns out, they don't. You can see the photos and the images of Bundy Arkady on his knees at full time and how devastating it is, what a play he's been, and continued that tonight. The scrum was a big one. Uh, New Zealand got the dominance there. Ireland were pinged. Andrew Porter was pinged for not scrummaging straight, and that was crucial in the context of the game. They come under, uh, under a bit of pressure with the line-out too, weren't always able to get the, the quick ball that they won, and that's New Zealand's strengths as being able to high pressure at the set piece and, uh, and at the breakdown. It, it's just going to – I know that there's going to be questions around why why couldn't we see this in a semi-final or indeed a final. Let's celebrate for what, what it was. Already we've seen two extraordinary quarterfinals. So the best probably day of World Cup history from a, a quarterfinals perspective when you've seen 
Michael Checker's Argentinian side come over the top of Wales to set up a semi-final next Friday in Paris. Uh, they'll be underdogs course Argentina, but you can't uh, you you can't rule them out because we know that a lost Pumas side that's already gone to New Zealand and beaten the All Blacks uh, only a year ago at the Rugby Championship, they will throw plenty at the All Blacks, who you would at first glance certainly think that they're strong favourites, but knockout footy can be a different beast. And they've now got, what, six, seven days for both those sides to prepare for it. And we're only halfway through the weekend, of course, with a couple of big ones happening tomorrow. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. Yeah, that was a strange game, that one uh, with Argentina knocking over uh, Wales. Wales went to a 10 0 lead and uh, looked to be, looked to have it in, you know, decent control. Somewhere along there, they lost the referee, however. Uh, pretty unusual to see Jacko Piper uh, struggle off with a torn calf by the looks of it. And um, Carl Dixon, you know, one of my favorites. Uh, come in and start blowing the whistle with gay abandon. I mean, it was penalty after penalty after penalty. And at that stage, Argentina couldn't seemingly put anything together without him blowing up for a, a penalty against them. Interestingly, afterwards, Warren Gatlin has kind of blamed the referee change for disrupting their flow and for being a major a major reason why they kind of lost the momentum, which is, is interesting. I mean, I guess... The teams do go out there and they prepare to play for a certain referee and how a certain referee might see the game. And then when it when it goes a different way like that, that is so rare. Uh, obviously, it works for both teams too, um, but maybe maybe Argentina did get the best out of it, although it wasn't kind of my indication up till half time. I think a big moment in that game was there was a little bit of. Uh, Push and shove. Argentina had a penalty just inside the Welsh half just before half time. Uh, the score was 10 3 at the time. The penalty was given and then it, it kind of flowed on. And uh, Josh Adams, the Welsh guy, put a hit on the Argentinian halfback. Uh, a lot of suggestions that he probably should have been yellow carded for that, but it was just a penalty. But it was right in, uh, right up close to the post where the fella could have thrown it over. And, and that gave them a bit of momentum and it also roused that incredible crowd. I know, you know, in Paris that you had the Irish fans making their noise, but, you know, the even the Welsh players afterwards were raving about how the Argentinians' kind of soccer-style support had been so so immense and so rousing for them. But, yeah, like it was just a, a, a really strange game. Um, I'm not sure how much you saw of that one in your preparation for, for, for getting into the Ireland game. I saw certainly the last 55, 60 minutes of that of that match. And, uh, uh, yeah, Stephen Jones, the veteran Times uh, columnist, uh, journalist correspondent, he had a, a big swing at the momentum shifts of the referee. But that's going to happen. That's just unfortunate when an on-field referee has to go because of uh, an, an injury. That's always going to change. So, you know, such a subjective game, this one. So, of course, there's going to be different understandings, interpretations around uh, around how the game should, uh, laws should be applied. I thought he did a pretty good job, Carl Dixon, and I think complaints would just be uh, those crying fair after after losing. And uh, there was a great moment, I thought, and, and it escapes my name, uh, my memory, which Argentinian player 
um, probably hit a Welsh clean out Welsh attacker uh, defender rather high and the TMO did interject then and, and, and tried to point that out to Carl Dixon and, and, and I thought it was good refereeing there for the Dixon. I've been critical of him throughout the tournament but he clearly saw the late drop of the, the of the clean out player which which resulted in, in him copying one quite high and that could have easily been a red card in another day or a different referee and I'm glad it wasn't because it it didn't necessarily it was missed obviously first up but I don't think that it was so significant it was it was certainly not deliberate uh, there was mitigation there for the on-field referee's decision to, to stand and then of course no yellow to, to, to Josh Adams later so I thought it evened itself out there the end of the day, the reality is that Wales had opportunities that blew it. What a tackle from Maroney on Lewis Rees-Zaman. He'll never have to buy a beer again, will he? Oh, what an unbelievable <laughs> defensive effort that was. I was raving about that in the in the story I wrote, and uh, one of the Raw uh, correspondents told me that um, I shouldn't be uh, praising that because the technique was wrong and he had his head on the wrong side, and it was uh, not a great example to all the young players out there, which was a very Tim Horan moment, I thought talking about all the girls and boys and if you're watching at home. But, like, um, it was – he's come from nowhere and he's wiped out Lewis, hasn't he? He's just put him into touch at a massive moment. And you're completely right. That's a, that's his uh, George Gregan moment that's that's going to go down as. But, yeah, that moment that you spoke about with uh, Guido Petty it was and he caught uh, Nick Tompkins with a shoulder to the head and – like the whole game stopped there and you're just presuming that there's a card coming and a penalty and it, it basically was none of that. And it was really interesting to see the way they broke that down. Uh, Gatland afterwards, he he kind of obviously, he didn't blow up about it. He was talking about how maybe someone might blow up about it, which is always the go-to to, uh, it's actually probably well well handled. I mean, there were, there were some interesting moments post-match. Um, Michael Checker, he was at his laconic best when um, he was asked, you know, how do you feel? And the commentator was expecting him to explode. And he was like, uh, pretty happy, I suppose. Uh, you know, they're, they're typically playing it down. And then and then when he was also asked if his team could go all the way now and win this World Cup, uh, I don't know if we'll go to any sweeping statements just yet. He, he kind of has clearly come out and believes that they're you know, going to be massive underdogs. And, I think also looking at the way the game's played out, the, the level of the difference in quality, and I'm not sure if if this is backed up by the 55, 60 minutes you saw, but the difference in quality between that match and the one afterwards was fast. They were like different different sports at times. Yeah, but once again, that's sport and it's, and it's different feels. It's different, different rhythms. And that's the great thing about rugby is that it, it can be played in so many different ways, but it can be appreciated in different ways too. The pressure, the earlier day conditions. Uh, of course, New Zealand and Ireland have shown over the last four years, probably much longer to be fair, that they are one of the premier sides in the world, but upsets can occur. And it's about ensuring that if you're a favourite, that you do all the basics really well. And I set piece, it's clean out, it's running lines, it's... And and Argentina is a side that can frustrate you because they do provide so much heat at the breakdown. Uh, generally, it's a Pablo Matera uh, that that might be there. Clearly, he's not going to be uh, with his with his injury, but you could see him on the sideline celebrating. But I think it's a bit 
I, I think you have to appreciate every game differently. And I, I, I spoke to Michael Checker a week ago over in, in Nuts, and I got to speak to him one on one. And you speak, you just mentioned about how level he is at the moment. He's so calm, and he said to me. I need to be calm because these Argentinians, they don't need any more firing up. They need to be brought down times <laughs> just a notch. And, and so they've, therefore, I've changed the way I, I speak to this playing group, which is completely different to what he was with the Wallabies, which was golf club sitlers, giving them an absolute rinsing at halftime in Argentina. And it was really firing them up. And, and I, I, it's a different style of Michael Checker. And whilst we're, we're just speaking about him now, you know, with the a potential of a Wallabies coaching uh, with Eddie Jones's future unclear, a result like this going into a semi-final suddenly catapults his name firmly back into the mix because he's a great guy for a one to two years fixer up for a job. But when you've got a British and Irish Lions series in less than two years away, you've got to actually consider him if Eddie Jones does walk or indeed his sacks. So. A great result for him, and it's going to be another special evening in a, in a week, or less than a week, with with Argentina and, and New Zealand. Before then, though, we've got to touch upon it now. Uh, you know, Fiji in England tomorrow in Marseille, and that's quickly followed by with, with South Africa and France, and all the talk about a Northern Hemisphere shutout. Uh, at the moment, they're battling <laughs> to stay in the competition. Two nil. It's two nil. One more, and it's all over. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. I'm looking forward to Checker v Foster this week. There's a couple of guys there. We don't know what either of them are doing next year, where they're headed, uh, lots of time in the saddle, lots of little mind games ahead. I mean, Checker was talking, his big complaint post-match was that they'll have one day less in Paris than New Zealand. So New Zealand's already there and they can prepare and his team has to travel I mean, it's not even as if they've they, they, they've actually played first, so they've got a few hours, you know, where they, extra recovery time. But he's spun that now to, you know, we have to have a travel day, and it's unfair. There'll, there'll be a few of those as well, uh, but it should be a great lead up, and it is good to have Checker in there uh, up against Foster, and and just just what that kind of means keeps the interest in people who uh, kind of loved and hated. Passionately by fans, I guess, you know, talking up this match. But it's hard to see it going anywhere other than the All Blacks way. And, like, just one more question on that. You watched them play against France in the opener. You saw them live tonight. You know, you're getting an idea that if those two teams face off in a a final, it's going to be a completely different story. Uh, Yes, perhaps. But they were nervous once again from New Zealand tonight. They, you know, their first two minutes, they were mm. extremely lucky that, uh, and fortunate that they managed to deny Ireland possession in the first six minutes. You saw passes hitting the deck, saw kicks kind of being shanked, uh, uh, you know, even 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 kicks for for touch from penalties were just not hitting the boots. So uh, the fact that guys like Sam Whitelock, you could bring them on in such critical moments in the second half and I asked him that in the mix zone less than an hour ago it's a changed role for him but do we is it actually a benefit to have someone like a white lock coming off the bench at those clutch crucial championship minutes and I think it is uh he's Scott Barrett and Brody Retallica in there at the moment if it I thought I, I'm pretty sure I've I wrote it as as a France New Zealand 
uh, to open the campaign and finish the campaign with with France uh, in, in getting the chocolates in in the World Cup final, and it's 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 set up like that, just like it was almost a couple of years ago. It could have been New Zealand, South Africa, clearly South Africa um, beat England to who beat New Zealand in the semi-finals. I think it's set up for another one and uh, like that. It's and if it is, it's going to be an epic final and and something that World Rugby can really appreciate. And a couple of quick uh, tips for tomorrow night. What's your uh, head and your heart telling you about the two games tomorrow? Give us a scoreline. I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Fiji can be written off. They've been terrible the last two weeks, but they'll go into this as the underdogs, which probably suits them. England, oh, you know, England, world champions in two thousand and three, one of the biggest powerful unions. Someone, you know, they get eighty thousand at Twickenham every every week, and Fiji struggled to play at Suva, and, and you know, if they did, they'd be ten to twelve thousand those. Uh, they're screaming on the fly in Fijians. That it, it's it's a clash between you know it's a David and Goliath kind of clash. I think England, if they play smart, uh, they deny Fiji loose ball should be too strong. South Africa, France will be a cracking game, and I, I feel like tonight's an appetizer. And and we know that it's loud with the Irish here. It's going to be even louder tomorrow with the French uh, hosting it in Paris. I. I, st- I still think France have got the, the champion players within their side, like the DuPonts, like the Jonathan Dante's good front row with the Cyril Biles uh, in there to to be the Gregory Aldrichs to 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 really challenge South Africa. I like what uh, Jacques Niemann has done with his side. I, I love the selection of Edouard D- Vermeulen at, at number eight. Interesting with the halves, but I think he's, he's backed the informed Kibbers uh, Reinach at nine, and, and Marnie Leboc is someone who's uh, shown some kicking wobbles at times, but is a, is a classy 10. And, and I think that really puts a lot of trust if things are going pear-shaped. And, you know, Faf de Klerk and Andre Pollard can come on. Willie LaRue can come on. I think France just, but it'll be so tight, and it's almost a flick of the coin, just like it was tonight. That's cool. I asked you for a, a, a quick tip, and you gave me a 37-phrase answer, which was... Uh... You know, quite apt in the way in the end. Uh, well played. I've given you, t- um, I've given you two I just wanna, there, though. Yeah, you have. I think so. Look, I just want to thank our uh, partner, ASICS, uh, the maker of the Wallabies kit at the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Uh, you can get online at asics.com.au and check out their massive range. We really appreciate their partnership with us. They'll get another bunch of flowers tomorrow night when Harry and Brett are back for an instant reaction post the spring box i hope for uh, harry's sake his spring box can get up but um i'm i'm with you i think france france gets over the line in that one so thanks for uh having a chat mate i think we're back next week for the semi-finals you and i to talk through one of those nights it's been fun it's been great you're lucky you're sitting there at uh, the stadium i'm i'm working remotely tonight hopefully we can be side by side for those semis. I just got a text from Sam Bruce, who's in the media centre at the moment, saying there's a beer and they're offering up beers, which would be the first thing that World Rugby has offered up to the media this tournament. <laughs> but we won't be there tonight. But I'm looking go, forward to seeing you. Go, again. go, get down there now. Catch you soon, buddy. And see you guys. Cheers.